Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Today, I'm super excited. Um, this is kind of like a topic-based episode, which is really cool, and I'm really excited to talk about and dissect all these topics, but also, the guest that I have on is just an incredible person who I'm super excited to connect with and also pick their brain on said topics. I'm being so mysterious off the top, aren't I? Well, without, not for much longer, people, without further ado, (laughs) please welcome to the mic, writer, okay, of uh, two recent books, like 2020. Uh, in 2022, Monster Under the Bed and the new book in it together. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, writer Joella Naughty. Hi, Joella. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Considering? Mm-hmm. considering All things considering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just always has to be said, just, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I thought... Um, we could start by, yeah, talking about your new book and just kind of just briefly talking about what it's about. And then people that are listening are going to be like, oh, OK, I see where this episode's going. I see what we're getting into here. So let's talk about In It Together, Joellen. So um, sadly, In It Together doesn't actually come out until March 2023. That's so, so soon, though. It's so soon. Yeah. It's yes. But it is. Um, so it's I keep saying it's a guidebook to navigating depression with partners, friends, family. Um, I, I tell people it's for folks with depression and the people who love them, right? Because so much of what we all struggle with when depression or really any illness or, or mental illness, chronic illness, whatever comes in the picture mm-hmm. is kind of not knowing how to talk about it or what to do or how we can help. And, and then we all end up resenting each other and that's not helpful. Mm. Yeah, I love that that kind of just little subtext of like what it's about for people navigating depression and the people who love them. Because yeah. everyone knows someone who is um, who is struggling with depression, right? Whether it's yourself at times in your life or currently, um, probably in the future, let's be honest. Um, especially with all the, yeah. the crazy shit Seriously. that's happening in the world. <laughs> but at the very, very least, we all have a loved one, I think, that uh, that struggles in this way, right? So... Um, I, I, um, why it's interesting to me to talk to you is because I think, uh, a lot of the posts that I do see of yours are surrounding like, yeah, dating and relationships and sex and depression and kind of navigating all those things together. So I'm really interested to kind of bring that, bring, uh, these two topics together at this intersection yeah. of like, okay, your partner has depression or you are a person who is, who is depressed and you are partnered and like, you know. We can help. <laughs> yes. You know. And, you know, that's that's how I got here. How I got to this book was by um, getting really curious about sex and depression mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. doing a bunch of research. I, I uh, surveyed 1,300 people. Nope, that's not right. I surveyed 1,100 people. <laughs> I interviewed 200 people, all total 1,300 people, wow. um, just talking about the, the challenges people had with that and the things that worked and the things that didn't work and how depression impacted their sex lives and all of those things. And that all went into my first book, The Monster Under the Bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that book over time, like as I was writing it, it changed. It, it started out, it was going to be a book where I could say, see, if you're experiencing this, you're not alone. Other people are experiencing it too. Here's how prevalent sexual side effects are, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the book, it grew into kind of like half that and half here are ways you can show up for each other and here are ways to foster like relationship health while depression is part of the equation. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being my favorite stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's like takeawayable, you know, that's like concrete yeah. stuff that people are like, oh, that's so helpful. I can use that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so when that book came out in March of 2020, because I have the best timing ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, the thing I kept hearing from people was, you know, a lot of this is good advice for anybody who knows anybody with depression. Yeah. But I know what our world is like, right? And if I said to you, oh, y your cousin has depression, go read this book with sex in the title. Right, right, be right, like, right, right, right. Yeah. You're going to be like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to take the, like, relationship health piece and expand it. And that's how we arrived at my new book, In It Together. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. people would not like necessarily <laughs> go to that book for non-sexual types of relationships, like with family and friends and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, like, so 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then you can expand kind of that whole portion that you're talking about that really excited you and that you really thought that people would like really love and find useful. Yeah. 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 Oh, so these two like sister books, basically. <laughs> exactly. I just actually, I just found out that um, my publisher, in addition to like each individual book, they have up on like, you know, Amazon and the bookstores and whatever, um, a, uh, like a combo pack where you can get them both. Oh, and I thought that was so neat. Yeah. The box set. Exactly. <laughs> the DVD box. <laughs> the complete works of Joellen. It's, it's not very many things, but you'll have them both. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because it really does sound like they're companion pieces, right? It's like talking about this very specific thing of like sex within sexual relationships, but also this like, yeah, it, it's not it's it doesn't just exist here. Like these two things can coexist of like, um, you know, well, what about outside the bedroom? What about people mm -hmm. who I don't take into my bedroom? <laughs> what about, you know, so yeah. yeah, like having both perspectives, both lenses, I imagine. Exactly. And, you know, it's people like to keep sex in this like separate category from the rest of life. Mm -hmm. And um, like one I, I lost a ton of followers over my like transition from like sex blogger who reviews dildos to sex and depression book writer because people kept being like, why are we talking about feelings? Feelings aren't sex. Talk about sex. Oh, my God. But <laughs> right. But we're not going to have the happy, healthy, fun sex we want if we don't like each other because we don't know how to show up for each other. And, you know, it's all together. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. like when we talk about depression, can we talk about like some of the specifics of like how depression might inhibit like yeah. intimate connection? Maybe can we start there? Yes. And this is one of my favorite things I kind of learned. I should have known this because of my years of depression, but... Mm -hmm doing the book really kind of shone a light on it for me. It was that like, there are the ways depression impacts our sex lives. Mm -hmm. And there are the ways the treatments for depression impact our sex lives. Oof. And those are separate things. So everybody was like, we all know how depression impacts sex. It means you don't want sex. And for some people whose depression wasn't treated, they, you know, they said, yes, I isolated. I didn't feel attractive. I wasn't into it. But then the people who were having the like low libido from medication were literally like, I kind of forgot what sex was. It like fell off my radar and they were different experiences. Mm -hmm. But they, they both came from, you know, existing in the world with depression. Yeah. It's that nuance yeah. of like, yes, is it is it the, the thing or is it the symptom of the thing? Is it the, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. treating the symptom versus... You know, and you know, that the came up, the treating the symptom, God, that came up so much with um, people who had erectile dysfunction due to their, their antidepressants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. a lot of them would go to their doctor and say, I'm having erectile dysfunction. And the doctor would prescribe like Cialis or, or you know, one of those um, mm -hmm. boner pills, basically. And <laughs> one of my favorite descriptions that somebody gave in my research was he said, you know, and sure, I could get an erection, but it was kind of like, he said, imagine you're in a city and all the buildings are tall and strong, but you can't touch them, enter them, or like interact with them at all. He was <laughs> no. like, it gave me an erection, but I, I had no, like, I, like, I didn't feel anything and I didn't enjoy it. And it just oh. was a hard penis. And that's the kind of thing we get into when we like 
play whack-a-mole with the individual symptoms. Yeah, I think this is so helpful because I think, I mean, that's a side effect of lots of different medications. Like I for sure have dated someone that went on like an ADHD med that Mm -hmm. affected things in a huge way for them. Um, you know, which is a thing as their sexual partner that you, you are navigating together, right? So it's yeah. like, this is just even such a wider kind of a thing than just like people with depression that are taking meds for depression. It's like, there are a lot of meds that do this that, you know. So many. And yeah. with the, with the physical side effects, it goes into like, um, antihistamines are a big one with the people who are experiencing vaginal dryness. That can come from antidepressants or antihistamines or a whole slew of other medications. Yeah, because antihistamines, like when you think of like that in the way of like allergy medicine, it's like it's drying out. Yeah. So you're not <laughs> snotty and you're not, you know, congested, blah, blah, blah. So it's like it's literally just drying, drying you down like a bone. <laughs> it's like that's yeah, going to extend like... to like your your veg, uh, your um, vulva, right? So Right. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. you know, it that's the drug doing its job, but <laughs> it's not super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, the, the, the lube and so, and then so all the much things, lube, folks. just the most, the most lube. <laughs> that is, um, so Monster, the first book has yes. a whole section of what I call like sexual workarounds mm. for if you're having some of these side effects and, and you still want to try and have an orgasm or you still want to have comfortable sex or, and I, cause I think that like it's there. There are, st- there are ways we can do it. Right. I have a whole like lube layering system I recommend to people oh who are experiencing the dryness because it can be so uncomfortable and it can make you never want to interact. But you know, if you stay comfortable the whole time, maybe, you know, you can have some of that sex that will make your brain feel good. Yeah, certainly. And this is like making me just think of like all the different ways like like even within like just how it's affecting your genital genitals and how they quote unquote perform it's like okay mm-hmm. um maybe you don't have a problem getting erections but maybe the med won't let you have an orgasm orgasm from... yeah so it's the orgasm that's yeah. the thing not necessarily the erection and it's like yeah. all of these nuanced kind of layers it's like okay well i can get wet or i can get hard or whatever it is but i can't i'm having a lot of trouble orgasming and like yeah what do you like what do you recommend for kind of when say you start a med that is affecting you and you know some of these ways and maybe ways that are related that we didn't mention as well like what's the first step maybe to like finding this new normal on this med and and trying to figure out okay what can I do you know so I tell people to like basically weigh their experience on the medication like is it helping you Right. Do I even, do I even want to take it? Like, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Cause I had a medication kill my libido and also I was a zombie. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to lay down and nap at like 9am. And so that was one where I was like, okay, it, this isn't worth putting up with this side effect. But if you have a medication and you, re- you feel like you feel good enough on that, that you'd rather stay on the medication and kind of work around the side effects. You can talk to your doctor about um, dose timing. So oh. you can time your doses slightly differently. And for some people, that cuts back on those side effects, or at least makes them not happen when you don't want them to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, kind of depending on, on what side effects you're having, there's, oh God, there's so much fun stuff. Um, <laughs> so I am the biggest proponent of... Um, big giant wand vibrators, like oh, yeah, yeah. You know, your magic wand, your Luans, you know, your Doxy, mm-hmm. because um, for a lot of people, they have anorgasmia, meaning they can't orgasm. They have delayed orgasm, meaning it takes for freaking ever to orgasm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this one will not be solved by wand massagers, but it's a fun one to mention. Um, people described weird orgasms, like they had <laughs> them, but they weren't wasn't the same it like they were like oh that was an orgasm but that wasn't oh, what was that yeah it wasn't my orgasm that i'm used to yeah that's but if you're struggling with achieving orgasm those those big massagers for a lot of people are more power than they're used to and it can kind of get you up and over that that hump as it were um <laughs> i know you wanted I was, to I was say desperately hump. trying to find a different word <laughs> um 
And that's, and that's not like even, um, for penises, there's an attachment that goes on the wand that, um, basically looks like a little tunnel. A little sleeve and, attachment. Yeah, the sleeve. Yeah. And yeah. what's great about that, a lot of folks reported to me that they could use that when they weren't even able to get an erection mm-hmm. and they could yeah, still can... have an orgasm. Yeah, I love toys that um, are like that. There's a couple. There's like a hot hot octopus. The hot octopus. Kind of similar. Yep. Yeah, you don't even need an erection to use it. Whereas some kind of penetratable sex toys do require an erection. It's like, well, loved seeing the accessibility of a toy that you can go in flaccid if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's especially, honestly, the the toxic masculinity ways we approach sex, where it's like sex mm. is about a hard penis doing things. Yeah. And no, it's about feeling good and let's get you to feeling good regardless of your body objecting to it. Yeah, because I feel like a change in meds, you know, if like you're saying, you're like, okay, I like what this med is doing for me in this way and these, you know, these really big impactful ways. However, there are some symptoms like an orgasmia and delayed orgasm and whatnot um, or inability to get erect or get wet or whatever. Um I feel like it's like, okay, if we're making that decision, then it's like, okay, you know, let's do a check-in here because maybe, you know, modifications perhaps need to be made, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like for masturbation or for partnered sex. And it's like, okay, if my sex with my partners or whomever, hookups, blah, 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 uh, tend to be orgasm focused or tend to be penis centric or it's like, okay, well, you know, that might that might um, need to kind of have a little perspective change, okay, of being like, okay, you know, sex is about pleasure, not necessarily about like this PIV heteronormative mm-hmm. narrative that I have always followed and not really questioned. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe I should take a little, um, a little uh, inspiration from like queer sex and be like, okay, yes. maybe mutual masturbation works better here with like the symptoms I'm dealing with. Maybe we're bringing toys, more toys into the bedroom that maybe we never used to do that or more powerful toys or like, mm-hmm. you know, different angles or different positions or yeah, just, just kind mm-hmm. of a rejiggering of like what, what sex usually looks like. It's not like you can't do sex now. Because you can't do exactly. that PIV thing that you think is sex and you think that needs it needs to look like that. It's like, okay, you're not broken. It's just like there's lots more sex that you can do and maybe try those things. <laughs> and one of the things, um, I remember my mother reading my book when it for my first book when it came out and mm-hmm. um, her saying, I wasn't prepared for the part about impact play. And also <laughs> what's electrostimulation? Because I talked about how... At those times when I wanted to interact with my partners, but I was kind of like, oh, I don't want it. I don't want people touching me. I'd like, it's just none of it's working. Mm-hmm. The things that I experimented with that ended up being great for me were things like impact play and uh, e-stim and these things that allow you to kind of interact with a partner in a sexually charged manner yeah. or not if you, you know, if you just want to get, you know, the crap paddled out of you that's cool too Mm -hmm. but they can be really satisfying and they don't have to culminate in you know penetrative sex yeah exactly yeah it can because the kink thing is like yes Mm -hmm. okay let's play with a subversive script like a different script than quote-unquote vanilla sex you know that that piv kind of model it's like and then that can open up to, well, it doesn't have to engage your genitals at all. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to engage, like, sexual energy at all if we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't, uh, like, being turned on isn't required for this activity. And the things we can get out of um, these activities, you know, we can get, you know, maybe emotional things out of it or spiritual or healing things out of it, or like, you know, just uh, accessing this different kind of, um, spectrum of like what pleasure can look like, you know, might be helpful as well. It's like, okay, the activities we're going to change up, but also like just the impact of like, oh yeah, you can get so much out of sex and so much out of kink or whatever you want to call it that isn't 
genital based doesn't have to be genital based again no judgment if it is and that's great that's amazing (laughs) as well but like it can't exist without which isn't always a thing that vanilla sex folks are gonna go to you know yeah i um i was listening to a podcast recently and one of the guests was a lesbian and everybody else on the panel was was straight dudes and at one point they were talking about a sex scene in a movie and she said it's just you know from where i sit the penis is the least important part of of sex or the least interesting part and when i tell you it derailed the the podcast for like 20 minutes because these guys could not get past the fact that she had said this wow yeah come on yeah. 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 <laughs> this is not that groundbreaking <laughs> Maybe in their circles it is, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. But I think that, so, a lot of the, the kind of normative, vanilla-y ways that people relate to sex also results in people not talking about sex. Yes. And so then, when depression enters the equation, it changes how we interact sexually. It becomes like this hot-button issue, and people tend to want to get back to sex by this like short quick route that they just like they're from here to sex immediately and it becomes pressure filled and then you know the person struggling extra doesn't want to have sex and so I I always joke that I need to get successful soon because I'm running out of different ways of saying like for fuck's sake just talk to each other yeah I'm saying the same fucking thing (laughs) (laughs) but if we keep sex in like our dialogue and we keep we don't say well i have depression so there's no sex or whatever we stop it from becoming that hot button issue and we we create this space where there's comfort and there's ease and it's okay to be where you are and guess what that space is a much bigger turn on than the like well we haven't done it in six weeks space that space isn't pleasant that's tough that sounds like a really tough space yeah yeah Yeah, it's this thing of like if we were talking about sex the whole time then us talking about depression and sex wouldn't seem like such a big deal you know what i mean if uh, if only that was the norm of like the accessibility of like talking about sex before you have it and like you're able to be like okay my shoulder feels like this today or like Mm -hmm. you know i like whatever is going on with your body just to like check in of being like and then you can kind of you know volunteer information in whatever way you want surrounding whatever you're feeling in your body in your brain in your you know and you know there was this this um it was weirdly right after robin williams died there was this huge spate of articles about depression yes yeah um and a whole bunch of them were about sex and depression. And I was pulling my hair out because the advice it kept coming down to was just do it. Just oh do it. Because you'll remember that sex is good, you know, because sex is inherently good and we all love sex all the time. And so just do it. And that makes me violent. Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> because, like, oh, first of all, I'm never pro, like, gritting your teeth and oy, having, oy, you know, but also, like, the symptoms that come with depression, that feeling that you're not important, your needs don't matter, everybody else is more valuable than you, whatever. What better way to, like, compound that than to say, it doesn't matter that you want sex, go ahead and do it anyway. Ooh. Right? And, like, <laughs> what? A, there's no better way to ruin sex than that. <laughs> so what I always tell people is don't just do it, but don't just not do it, right? So don't say, I have depression, so sex is off the table. But also don't say, I have to have sex because sex is good and I love sex. Instead, yeah, there's like, got to be a middle ground here. And the middle ground for me is where you check in with yourself and you say, how do I feel about sex today? Mm-hmm, and if mm-hmm. you're not interested, there's nuance to that. So is does sex just sound foreign and like un, like you don't want to do it and just no, no, no? Because in that case, you know, don't have sex. But is, are you having that thing that depression can do where everything sounds difficult? So you're like, mm. sex sounds good, but I'd have to get up and I'd have to take off my pants and I'd have to put them back on later and it's all such a pain. Well, maybe that's a time where you work with your partner and see if there's a path that can get you to the sex that sounds good, but everything sounds difficult. And and those are different things. 100%, yeah. And this is also like kind of reminding me of the thing of like, 
well, if I have sex, like sex, you know, is maybe a vulnerable space for me. So maybe this feels like um, kind of a a higher risk activity. Like I might spur myself into, you know, the the floodgates being opened of my emotions. Mm -hmm. If I let myself get into this vulnerable space, like having sex with the person, I'm like, I'd rather just not because you know, I'm kind of shut down and this feels more comfortable than if I was, you know, in a, who knows, crying fit or like whatever, just because I'm trying to access a vulnerable part of myself might like trigger me in that way. It's like so much nuance to this here and so many reasons, you know, really specific individual kind of personal reasons why you might want to or not want to. And the thing I feel like I, I need to point out because I I messed up when I did my that first big survey. Mm-hmm. I framed everything around ways depression made you not interested in sex. Mm, and okay. you know, ways it like, you know, made sex less of a thing. Mm. And then I did these one on one interviews and twenty five percent of the people I spoke to said that they had more sex when they were depressed. And the reasons varied. So for some people, it was um, some of the medications actually can kind of boost libido. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for some people, it was that. For some people, it was sex as an escape. For other people, it was like sex as like um, uh, almost like a self-harm type of thing, going out and having like dangerous sex. And there were all different ways or, you know, reasons people approached more sex when they were depressed and that was fascinating to me and I felt so silly that I hadn't seen that as a possibility yeah but I mean that was part of that's what you know you were doing research and you're finding out information that's what research is right so you know you can't fault yourself when you were literally intending to go out and learn (laughs) you know it's like oh I learned well well, good because that's that was kind of the point you know (laughs) Yes, it was always the humbling, though, of like, ooh, I didn't expect that, though. (laughs) I didn't expect to learn that. (laughs) Well, my big fear was being one of those people who was like, well, I'm not a doctor or a therapist, but here's my experience. So now, like, I wanted, I wanted it to be validated. More people's experiences, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hear that. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA, and they have sexy themed events running all the time. Here's just a few as I'm scrolling through their Instagram, which is located at Club M4 Events. We have threesome Fridays, we have a sexy plus size play party, a night revolving around mini skirts, naughty on a school night. Ooh, and a Bi Pleasure Wednesday night dedicated to all things oral. Well, if that doesn't get you excited enough, you can head on over to their website at clubm4.com to investigate even further. The club is located at 1989A Dundas Street East in Mississauga. You can come by and see what a club made for swingers by swingers is all about piece of advice like blindingly obvious advice is to just talk about it (laughs) talk about it make communicate about sex and you know a a thing that I say in the first book but I go really hard on in the second book Mm -hmm. is remembering that somebody else's depression your partner's depression whatever it's not about you Mm -hmm. it's it's about depression right so when we take it personally and we take it personally and bring that to the person who's depressed Mm -hmm. that shuts down so much communication so if you're struggling with this idea that you know 
why are they depressed if they're with me? Does that mean they hate me and, and whatever? Find your own support, a therapist, uh, a, a circle of friends outside of your depressed partner. Mm. Find places where you can get that support because this open communication we want is going to be hindered if it turns into a like, but why are you depressed? You shouldn't be depressed. It's upsetting to me kind of conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that sounds extreme, but like, you know, those, I'm sure those feelings are peppered in with, you know, wanting to help this person and wishing they were better, you know, for themselves yeah. and like a lot of good intentions, but like those are common feelings to have like mixed in that pot as well of being and like, also, well, I can't make you happy. And that's fucking yeah. sad, you know? Yeah. I think, um, there's so much talk about this these days, but I think it's that thing that happens with anything where like, it blows up real big and then the pendulum swings back. But if you're mm -hmm. dealing with manipulative partners, emotionally abusive partners, it, it, it can become an, a, so I once got out of a very unhealthy relationship and the thing that really like made it obvious how unhealthy it was, was that I felt myself going into a depressive episode and I knew he was going to make it about him. And so I knew I had to get out before that happened, before it became like, well, but I'm so upset that, that you're depressed like this. So can't you just do A, B and C for me? And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a danger zone. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's that victim-y thing in a fight, right? If it's, yeah. you know, if the person is like, hey, these are the ways I feel not attended to and I feel you know, hurt because of these things. And then the other person is like, well, that makes me sad. And so now I'm, you know, now I need the, it's like, well, yeah, we mutually we will need support through the, uh, these conversations. But like, you know, it's not about you, it's not about you now. Yes. It's like, it turns into that person now comforting that person. That's the focus. It's like, well, was that? We're at that moment in time where the language has gone mainstream enough, but people haven't really learned how to use it. So you've got uh, people being like, like, my boundary is you can never say upsetting things to me. Oh. Don't violate my boundary. <laughs> and, oh. Like, that's not how any of it works. It's not a boundary. <laughs> boundary not, you control another that's person not, to do the yeah. thing. That's not that. That's not what that is. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did we gloss over before we move on? Because I would love to talk about... Um, the other side of this coin that we're kind of segueing into here of like, okay, say so you're dating a person who is going through a depressive episode or who is battles with depression ongoing. I'd like to talk about that. But is there before we do move on? Was there anything that we missed as far as like, um, someone being depressed, like how their sex life, let's say specifically, might be impacted by depression? So there's one, there's one side effect that I find fascinating um, that people don't know about. So if you're having mm. this side effect and nobody's ever talked about it, I'm here to tell you it's normal. Um, genital numbness. Oh, wow. It's not like pins and needles numb. It's like, you know, you're using your giant wand massager or you're, let's say you're using your regular vibrator and that usually does it for you. But now it's like you can't feel anything. It's like there's bubble wrap on your genitals. Mm. And so that's a thing that gets kind of lumped in with anorgasmia, but is actually kind of a, a, a different thing. Interesting. Yeah. And that's one of those cases where ramping up the power or adding um, one of those, you know, those, um, oh, I can't think of the word I mean, where it's like the orgasm bomb and you put it on your clitoris and it makes things more sensitive. And I'm always very like side eye at them. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. things like that that are designed to create a little more sensation yeah, so maybe even, a heating um, or a, a heating or a yes. cooling type of a thing. Yeah, even like um, uh, dildos with texture, things that just introduce new sensation that can maybe help get some sensation there when you're not having it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if maybe the magic wand or what have you, um, you know, isn't quite doing the tip, like. You know, it, those little caps, those textured caps, yeah. like are are usually pretty reasonably priced. You know, to just try one of those and give that a little shot. Um, anything uh, that kind of has a there's mm -hmm. a cap from Lawand that mm -hmm. is actually weighted. It's Ooh, insertable cool. and it's and yeah, and it's weighted. And I always think that's really cool because not only is it it's weighted and rippled, and so you've got these layers of different sensations that are coming that are new. 
I think that's a really important thing to bring up because that is kind of separate from like, yeah, the thing of like, okay, I can feel it, but I'm just not coming. But it's like, I can't even feel the fucking thing is a totally yeah. different thing to bring up. I, I always say that the ways depression impacts your sex life, there's like the things that are feelings about depression and mm-hmm. the things that are physical things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because, yeah. yeah, we're talking a lot about physical symptoms, right? Yeah. So, yeah, maybe then can we talk about uh, some of the, like, feelings type of symptoms that might kind of inhibit uh, physical intimacy or really yeah. any sort of intimacy with, say, if you're partnered, your partner? Well, because that's, you know, that's a huge thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. Um I once had it out with a partner because he kept being like, well, I still think you're hot. And I was like, that's not helping because (laughs) my brain is telling me I am the worst and I'm gross and I don't want anyone to see me. Mm -hmm. And all I'm hearing when you say this is, I hope you still put out because, yeah. And I think... Or like, you're wrong. What you're thinking you're is wrong. wrong. I'm yeah. right. What I'm thinking is right. I think you're hot. You don't think you're hot. So something's wrong with that brain, isn't it? Yeah. And it's Oof. important to understand when someone has depression, my, one of my favorite analogies is it's like constantly, all day, every day, having somebody standing right next to you who wants to have an argument about why you suck. Oof. And you can't you can't argue, you can't, like, you can't successfully win. The only way you win is by saying, you're right, I do suck. And then that just empowers that person more, and they keep going. And so people want to show up and say that, like, one little encouraging thing, and they don't understand why, you know, you don't hear that and think, you know what, you're right, I am great, and I do look amazing. Mm -hmm. It's because you've got this, like, long-term thing going next to you all the time. So what would be the conversation that would be more helpful to have, say, surrounding that thing of like, I think you're attractive, you know, I look at you every day, and I'm just like, damn, Um, and the other person is feeling gross, feeling like, you know, uh, like they're, yeah, invisible, or like any of those feelings, like, what is the better conversation to have than surrounding that specifically? Honestly, even the way you said it at the beginning of that sentence is an amazing way in to say, like, I know that this is, sorry, my dog is, my dog is just waking up from a nap. Adorable. I totally hear that. And I'm keeping it in. Loved it. (laughs) Um, It's so funny. I'm I'm wrapping up uh, the Indiegogo presale for my new book. And one Mm -hmm. of the perks people can get is a sheet of stickers. And we just made one sticker that is just my dog because he's just that cute. (laughs) I want, I want. But it's coming to somebody and saying, you know, listen, I know that your brain is telling you something very different right now, but I want you to know that, you know, with no pressure for anything to come from this, right? Because yeah. I think that's where we go wrong a lot. Yeah. A lot of it is like, I think you look hot, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, and okay, so I have an amazing partner who um, I see like twice a year because we're long distance. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a message a while back. Uh, We had been exchanging pictures. And he said to me, I know you've had a bunch of struggles with your body and your body image over the years. But I want you to know that you know, he has now seen me at like every weight of the rainbow. (laughs) And he said to me, like, I always appreciate your body, both like visually and, you know, personally and all of these things. And I feel so honored that you still share it with me, even when you're having those complicated feelings. Mm. And that was like, you would think because it goes into all these mental health body image things, that's not a super sexy conversation. But my God, that was so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, I see why. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it is about creating space, right? So the the visual I keep having as I'm thinking about this is like being cuddled up in some blankets in like a cozy room, right? So we don't want to do the barreling towards, you know, believe that I'm right or have sex with me or whatever approach to it. We want to do the more, it's okay to be where you are, Yeah. but I still see you this way that version of you that you are out of touch with right now still exists Mm -hmm. and i appreciate you wherever you are yeah this is also reminding me that like okay it's like sexual intimacy is one thing 
but like there's so many different types of intimacy to have with your partner also so it's like oh, that yeah. that thing of like okay well maybe this idea of just going and jumping right into sex with my partner seems really fucking scary right now but yeah. what are some other ways that we can connect physically you know that don't yeah. feel as scary and like not only doing that kind of queer sex thing where you're like having different types of sex but like different types of intimacy also like can we cuddle can we nap together can we shower together can we whatever whatever it is you know yeah some like there have been moments or where massage like, you know, like any of those things yes yeah yeah like there are moments where you know <laughs> shit gets real dark yeah. and if you're willing to like cuddle on the couch and watch brooklyn 99 with me that's like that's yeah, amazing that's that it. is the connection yeah. i need at that moment yeah. yeah 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 okay so i feel like maybe let's move on to this conversation of like how can yeah. you can be how can you be a supportive partner yeah. um you know if you're dating or cohabitating or, or whatever with somebody who is depressed or has depression so I'm so one of the things I'm so excited about in the new book was this idea that I threw out on Twitter one day and everybody was like, no, you should actually do that. And it's uh, the last chapter of the book is called The Cheat Sheet. And it's okay. just like, you don't even have to read the rest of it. Just cut to chapter 10 and see like this list of actual helpful ways you can show up for a person or texts you can send them or, you know, things that kind of get us up and over the again with the hump, of, with the hump. <laughs> of, of not knowing where to begin yes yeah because say you don't yeah you say you don't you've never really encountered uh someone who's super close to you that is struggling in this way so yeah. it's like yeah I, I, that thing of like i don't even know where to start i it's just so foreign to me yeah and it's uh you know some of it is um some of it is uh like love languages right yeah 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 the the whole love languages thing um i feel like gets thrown around so much now and like it's exciting that people know the language but i want people to really understand how powerful it is and not just say like my love language is physical touch put out right um <laughs> because when you're trying to show up for somebody it's not it needs to not be about what you think would help them it needs to be about what would actually help them. Uh, so as a, like, as a pro dominant, that really that is really that thing of like service kink. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, like, how are you serving me? If you have not literally have not even asked me how I want to be served. It's your idea of service. So that's not, that's not, that's not service like to me. Honestly, my, my thing. relationships are like, um, I'm, I'm non-monogamous, so there's multiple relationships in my life, and I, it took me way too long to realize that I was just collecting service tops. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Putting but, them on the shelf, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's hard for people to understand sometimes, you know, um, that what you might need is somebody to go with you to the DMV, yes. and that could be the amazing way someone showed up for you um and that you know again that depends on love languages right so for me it's acts of service and physical uh no acts of service and words of affirmation mm -hmm. so when a partner runs to cvs because i suddenly got my period and then comes back and tells me that you know he's still so happy to be with me Best there thing. you go. Best day. Th that's it. <laughs> that's it. Like, like Great black afternoon. it out, we're done. <laughs> and but that's not true for everybody, right? And so taking some time to kind of get to know what it is that would feel supportive for the person you're trying to support can be helpful. Now, if they're really down in it depression-wise, they might be like, what the fuck do you mean? I don't know. Don't ask me questions. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and... something we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, just the shutdown. Like the, yes. just, yeah, do not engage. <laughs> don't look at me. Do not perceive me. <laughs> and, you know, I, it's it's so hard because I feel like, especially when I when I have like an hour to discuss this, I, I say a bunch of stuff and it all sounds like ways you can like, I don't know, become the person who serves the person with depression and it's not all about that like yeah. I really do want like totally healthy relationships where everybody feels loved and supported mm -hmm. but um some of it is going to be about you know um once years ago I knew I was 
in a bad, bad place. And I called a partner and I said, I am in a horrific place. And he came to my apartment, handed me a big stuffed animal, told me to take a nap, and then he cleaned my apartment. <laughs> Love it. Wow. <laughs> and that was, that was kind of what I needed. Now, while you're doing, while you're figuring out all these love languages and ways you can show up for people and what they actually need and what they want, you know, um, it's important that you have your own support. And that's a, a step we miss sometimes. And the problem is that support really can't be the person who has the depression. Yeah. Um, there's a thing I talk about called ring theory. And what that says is it takes any traumatic event and it puts the people who are experiencing it directly in the middle. And then everyone else in their life is, is like on concentric rings moving out from them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, closest to me would be my partner. But then the next ring is like my family who I don't live near. And then, you know, um, or our friends or whatever. And the rule is you can only send comfort in to closer rings mm. and you dump out, right? So my partner would not dump stress on me he would dump stress to the next ring where people would be there to send him comfort and it just makes sure that everybody has support in ways that don't end up making anybody's situation worse yeah putting it all all on one person or a person that is not suitable at that time for whatever reason it's like spreading it out or like yeah 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 that's super important to bring up and the thing to remember that like the big thing if you've Folks, yeah. if you remember nothing else from this interview, remember this. Um, a lot of times where we get divided, where our relationships fall apart when depression enters the equation, is we approach it like it's, you know, us on one side and our partner and their depression on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. It's got to be you and your partner on one side and the depression on the other side. Mm-hmm. And to get there, you have to understand that they don't want the depression there either. They kind of hate it. And, you know, when it shows up in them, it's the depression showing up. Now, folks with depression, you are also responsible for noticing when things are the depression showing up, right? Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, there, you have those, you'll have those moments where you feel like you're snapping at people, where you feel like you're overly emotional, you feel like you're being ridiculous. Cut yourself some slack. Say, oh, crap, this is the depression. And then, you know apologize to the person you just yelled at and say it's not you it's this is what depression does to my brain and once you guys get in that like setup where it's the two of you or four of you or however many people are in your relationship Mm -hmm. on one side and the depression on the other you're much better equipped to like have a strong supportive relationship while combating the depression yeah because I think, yeah, that's important also because we're talking about a lot of the ways, like, how can you support the person who's depressed? And it's like, um, yeah, the person who is depressed absolutely um, needs to um, have good communication skills as well and be willing and open to communicate with this person or people, you know, and like like the accountability part of like, yeah. you know, that needs to be happening as well. Can't Because nothing is, it's not sustainable to have a relationship where everything is just going from one person exactly. to the other, right? Whether yeah. you're depressed or not, it's like, how do you, so I don't know what, how do you do that when you're depressed though? Like, how do you separate the thing of like, okay, I need to be, you know, I need to be a, a good communicator in this moment rather than letting the, all these feelings inform me of uh, what to do in this moment. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you start to Honestly, do that? Honestly, it sounds so daunting, like, especially if it's not something you've ever done, but you've dealt with mental illness. It yeah. sounds like, how do I even begin with this? But I honestly find it incredibly um, uh, liberating is not the word I mean. It's kind of a relief because if I don't do it, if I don't do that stuff, I'm trapped in my brain with me and my brain is being mean and I think I'm an asshole and it just goes on and on in a circle. Whereas I can, you know, if I'm taking that responsibility and I'm like stepping outside and saying, okay, I'm being a jerk right now and this is why that's happening, I can talk about it with people 
and I can kind of hold on to my identity as me as opposed to me, this person who's been ruined by depression and now kind of sucks. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like helping you, like you said, it's just like your brain going around and around and around and around in there. And it's like if you, yeah, make make that very difficult, like that labored effort, like not saying it's easy whatsoever, like no. to, you know, try and, you know, making a genuine healthy connection and communication. <laughs> What's your dog's name? I need to know now. Grover. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's the cutest. (laughs) Oh, I can't. Um, But um, yeah, that that thing of like, okay, like let's stop your your this cycle of negative thoughts, this spiral, right? Like let's reach out, let's break this cycle. Let's like you know try and do something that's you know healthy for us. And a thing that actually helped me do this um was reading and i can't tell you which book it was because they all blend together for me now but Brene brown okay Brene brown talks about the stories we tell ourselves Hmm. and how um she tells the story about like not being happy about how she looked in a bathing suit and her husband was being kind of short with her that day and so she told herself this whole story about how she looked awful and he was disgusted and in the meantime it turned out he was really stressed out about their kids being swimming in this place that he didn't believe was really safe and but the story she was telling herself was so powerful and so centered on ways she was failing that she couldn't see the rest of it and so I had to, I, I kind of really connected with that because it gave me vocabulary to say, okay, honey, here's the deal. Right now, my brain is telling me that I have annoyed the hell out of you all day and you can't wait to get away from me and whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, nine times out of ten, the person you're talking to says like, oh, sorry, That's I was reading this email from somebody <laughs> or like, you know, it's, it's, it, nothing at all is going on like that. Yeah. Um, And it's a, I look at that rather than like a piece of hard work we're doing. That's a tool. That's a tool that can help you you get out of your head. You learn, you practice. Yeah. Yes, yes. You get better at the more you do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, because it's that thing of like, okay, while you're activated, you know, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you get to that kind of, I don't know if reasonable is the right word, but how do you get that, you know, more logical space again of whether rather than this emotionally driven, like maybe PTSD driven, like, you know, space, like to being like, okay, this is a narrative that, you know, this is my narrative right now. I need to communicate that I'm having this narrative and like, I need to find out, you know, know, what's really happening here. Maybe, whether I'm gaslighting myself, you know, I'm violating my own boundaries in some way. Like, it's like, that's, that is exactly as you said, like, that's, those are skills that you need to learn and develop either through, you know, therapy or like the experience of like doing this a bunch of like, Mm -hmm. so that when you are in that kind of activated space, you can be like, oh yeah, look down at my tool belt here. Yeah. What have I got? oh yeah, I got this little piece of information that was really helpful to me last time, which was recognizing that this might just be a narrative that's going on in my head and something differently might be going on for my partner, the other person. Yes, I've been living, um, I'm living with my stepfather right now. Okay. And um, he he says this thing, because he he always says to me, he sees me do the the, like spiral and he'll say to me, (laughs) Joe, you're you're in your head right now. You're doing it again. And, and he, he, he's great at, like, pointing it out, and I see it. But he said to me once, he's like, listen, if you're going to go, like, you know, in into your head like that, you got to bring, like, a flashlight, some tools, a friend. Like, otherwise, yeah. it'll just take you down. Yeah, otherwise, you're yeah. just literally going into the dark. And, like, yep. how do you get back from a place that's pitch black? Yeah, like, yeah. drop some breadcrumbs, at least. Uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's just a thing that, you know, you just need to... So so maybe, how do you start kind of learning that? What for you was helpful? 
honestly, therapy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that's how I learned about things like catastrophizing, which is a thing a lot of us do, especially with depression, where, like, you think a thought and then you follow it to, like, the, the most degree. dramatic, terrible <laughs> conclusion, right? Yeah. And, you know, I had to learn to stop and ask myself, what's going on and sometimes that still fails there have been yeah, times sure. in the last couple of years where it's gotten so dark i've had to go for like um i've gone and had this treatment uh transcranial magnetic stimulation okay and literally it's something i've gone and done when i've realized that i can't manage the things i can't see the things i i need like depression has just got too dark a hold on me mm -hmm. and so i think you know, there are, there are steps you can take. I highly recommend therapy. Um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you can also just start asking yourself, like, is this thing I'm thinking right now true is, or is it possibly not true? Do it very gently. Right. 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 But if you find that you really like, there's just no way it's a time to talk to a doctor, talk to a psychiatrist. If you can get in to see one, I know it's so hard right now. Um, mm -hmm. But see see what help is available to you because you also don't have to do it all on your own. Yeah. Can yeah. we also talk about, like, how do you find a good therapist? Like someone, Oof. by good, quote unquote, like somebody that really understands your specific yeah. life situation, be it maybe sex work stuff, polyamory stuff, like yeah. whatever else is kind of in the mix. Um within you know your relationships and stuff like that and like but you know just finding that right fit because I think you know there are a lot of therapists that are not for everybody out there you know what yeah. I mean like and I, I I don't know if you've had this experience oh. but it's like that thing yeah. of like it can be hard to find a good one meaning one that yeah. really is helpful to you specifically you know do you have any advice as far as that goes I wish I had better advice um, because honestly, I spent um, last year I moved back from uh, Portland, Oregon to New Jersey, okay. uh, where I grew up. The whole time I was in Portland, I had terrible therapists. <sighs> Just like and and I would wait like six to eight to ten to twelve weeks to get in, to and then have a bad therapist. <laughs> it <sighs> was brutal. Like at the very end, I had one that was that was like decent. But it really just kept me alive for those last couple months till I could get out. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the best therapist I've ever had was a total fluke. She was an intern doing her, like, service hours oh, fabulous. at a place that I got referred to by my marriage counselor right before I got divorced. Like, it was wow. a whole... But right now I'm seeing somebody and... Um, I got connected with her through a service called Quartet. Okay. That um, basically, you know, after years of waiting so long to see people, my primary care had like reached out to Quartet and then they contacted me and I had to answer a couple questions and then they matched me with a therapist and I had an wow. appointment later that week. It was incredible. Wow. Um, okay. I also know, and I, I don't know the address, I know Tristan Terramino yes. has a list somewhere. Um, Fabulous. Of like, like sex positive, like uh, non, um, basically uh, kink aware and non monogamy aware therapists and, mm -hmm. and practitioners. And I wish I could remember where that was. Um, ah, the open list. Oh, fabulous. It is on openingup.net. And um, it, yeah, it includes mental health. Uh, professionals, medical providers, um, coaches, uh, alternative therapists, like all different things. And these are people that I, I believe have been vetted to like, so people know that they are kind of safe to go to with things like non-monogamy, or you can just be like me and just get a Stumble therapist and it. then be like, I sleep with multiple people. That's how it is. And yes. Is this going to be a problem? It. Yes. No. <laughs> I found with younger therapists, it's like, everybody's like, okay, yeah, I've heard of that. Or, you know, yeah. At the very I think least, we're getting to a better it. place. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I know, I know I've had therapists in the past who were a different generation and they would have said, you know, 
well, do you think some of this depression is because you won't just sleep with one person? And Oy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, nobody that, needs that. Real helpful shit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can talk just briefly about them. Like, what are some of the, uh, talking about your own experiences where you've been like, oh, this person's not good for me. Like, what, you know, what did that feel like? Or like, what was a warning bell of like, oh, you know, maybe I should continue my search. Um, there was one, I went to this place where I always saw interns. And again, I've seen fabulous interns, but these were not those. Um, <laughs> one of them kept making me explain, um, like my career to her. And so I was struggling. I was trying to write my first book and I was a mess. And she would say, I just, I don't know. I don't know how writing works as a career. And one day I lost my shit on her and I was like, you don't need to know that. You need to know how to be a therapist. Yeah. Unimportant. Oof. Um, so I think if they kind of, I, I always said she always grabbed the wrong end of whatever stick I held out. Oh, so funny. if you feel like you're having to explain yourself over and over again, it's not great. Um, yeah. Cause it's this thing of like being challenged versus, you know what I mean? It's like yes. some therapists say stuff you don't want to hear, but yeah. that can also be a very good thing for you. So it's like that difference of like, you know, do I feel genuinely misunderstood or is it yeah. this thing of like, okay, well maybe I need someone who doesn't agree with me all the time. You know what I mean? It's like and figuring that also, out. Um, your therapist shouldn't have an agenda beyond, you know, helping you navigate, you know, the things that you're dealing with. Right. So if you feel like your therapist is pushing, I once had a therapist uh, when I was married who I swear to God, my husband was slipping her money because everything she would say to me seemed geared towards making me like a more compliant spouse. Oh, and <laughs> it was not good. Oh, I had another God. therapist who I went to to finally deal with some PTSD stuff. And um, in the course of my terribly managed mental health, I had gained 80 pounds. Mm -hmm. And she decided her mission was to make me very body positive about this. Okay. And... I was more kind of like, can we sort out my brain? And then my body will land wherever it, it is. But my brain is like in crisis right now. And we butted heads on that until she dumped me when COVID hit. <laughs> so, yeah. so agendas, if you feel like you're like fighting a battle, if you feel like you're on different pages about what you're dealing with, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. not a good situation. Yeah, because I feel like you... Um... I feel like you kind of know when something is like, ooh, yes, that, that's a really valuable uh, perspective. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. get, you do feel those like aha moments, you know, when it really, but you do also feel those moments when they're like, oh, well, maybe it's this and this and this. And you're like, um, no, <laughs> like, I don't think yeah. that is, that doesn't feel like I've, you know, I'm inspired by that or like that moved me in any way. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. Try to pay attention to yourself. I guess just like knowing that like every therapist is not going to be for you. Right. So like exactly if you're seeing a new person, it's like just be aware that like, you know, just kind of check in with yourself whether, you know, you feel this person's a good fit for not or not. And, and like be honest about it because I yeah. tend to get very Pollyanna. I want to believe <laughs> everything is going somewhere good. Yeah. And I've had to leave both doctors and therapists because I noticed that I was incredibly angry whenever I had to get ready for appointments with them. Oh, and no. I would be like having arguments in my head before I got there. And I was like, that's, this is just not healthy. Yeah, this and, doesn't seem like the best scenario. So like as much as I told you earlier to not always listen to your brain, listen to your brain sometimes when it's like, God, I hate this person. <laughs> Yeah, God, I hate this person. That's an important thing to pay attention to. <laughs> that's not that hating somebody's not going to get you to healing. Yes, what is that about? Yeah, just yeah. inquire with yourself. <laughs> okay, so Joellen, we have just gab 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 away. Yeah. We are basically at the end of our hour. Um, before I do let you go, of course, of course, I want you to tell us where we can get Monster Under the Bed and where we will be able to get in it together and all your other social information social information social media information you don't need to tell us everything <laughs> so um my to, to know stuff about my books and stuff i mean they're like all over the places you buy books but mm -hmm. if you go to my website redheadbedhead.com um 
You can go to redheadbedhead.com slash books, or you can just go to the website because really the books are all over it. Fabulous. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and for the time being, Twitter. Um, yeah, I know. It's, yeah. I, I keep joking that like my, my first book came out during a pandemic, and I'm worried <laughs> that Elon Musk <laughs> bought Twitter is going to be like the new pandemic for my new book. Oh, um, I hope not. But me too. I'm on all of those things as my full name, Joellen Naughty. And um, yeah, those are the places you can find me. Lovely. Thank you for that. For mm-hmm. myself, I'm the most um, active on Twitter. I'm at the Lady Pim One. But if you must go on over to Instagram, I'm at the Lady mm-hmm. Pim and at the Bedpost Podcast. Uh, oh. We have a Patreon. It is the Bedpost Show. Yes. We have a YouTube channel. It is also the Bedpost Show. And last but not least, I never like to go an episode without thanking the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast, which you are hearing right now. <laughs> Her name is Stephanie Copeland. And you can find out more about her at stephcopelandmusic.com. Uh, Joella Naughty, this has been an absolutely fabulous confirmation, uh, conversation. Thanks for having it with me. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed it as well. We will see you uh, next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the Big Post Podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.